0: Hello everyone! This is the PM versus PMM podcast, a podcast about products and product roles. My name is Aditi,
1: And my name is Arjun. Aditi, have you heard of sea flooding?
0: I've heard it here and there.
1: I just think it's really cool. Like, there are a lot of places the oceans are rising. Right. And a really smart way to combat that is by flooding a desert, a a below sea level desert area that is basically a free land that nothing can happen because it's just a desert and you can create new high quality land with that new body of water and we stop the ocean from rising and I, I honestly think coastal cities should like help other countries pay for this because it's reducing their Costs on protecting themselves from there, from the ocean rising. So I think yeah. it's like a really smart idea.
0: So basically, New York should pay for the Sahara Desert being flooded.
1: <laughs> yeah, literally. Or that's, just pay for um, like some is spot beautiful. in Arizona.
0: It makes sense though. It makes sense to be able to convert land that's not being used anyways into something that can actually be beneficial for
1: someone. And like high quality too. Yeah. So those places can really become beautiful high value spots and there's some spots in the u.s as well like in arizona and i think it's like a no-brainer
0: yeah look at that you yeah, rarely Death find wins for everyone huh this is, this feels like one of those what was that you rarely find a that. situation that's a win-win for everyone
1: <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> It is a very rare phenomenon. I mean, people people on Twitter were talking about like unintended consequences, and I'm sure there will be like, there always are. Maybe um, desert animals and plants will end up becoming extinct. But I think that we're in a huge crisis of sea levels rising and also a huge crisis in terms of not enough good places to live. And so, win win.
0: Yeah, in a way. But yes
1: today we are also talking about win wins which is influencing without authority that's kind of not really win win but it's it's a joke this is something that both product managers and product marketers face and it can often be a huge struggle today's episode will each be doing three points on how to influence without authority and for our new segment, we're talking about Twitter's new CEO, CEO, Linda Reno. All right, Aditi, why don't we as product marketers and managers have any authority? Ex- explain this problem.
0: Well, the problem I don't think is isolated to these two roles, but in the sense that we often have to get our point across and get buy-in from a lot of different people for our ideas without actually having like that seniority or that manager status to really make them want to like work with us so, for different reasons most of the time we're working with different departments right so even if we're talking to like mm-hmm. as, as a product marketer we're talking to like an AE or something they they have no reason to like support you unless they're convinced that it's going to benefit them in some way so yeah. influencing without authority the, the- is incredibly important for both teams for product managers and product marketers. Because it's such a cross-functional role to be able to get their work done.
1: Yeah. And and it's a it's a it's something that every company experiences, right? The hierarchy of a company is CEO at the top, and then five or so departments under that CEO, which means that each of these departments can't influence the other one. And so Aditi, you're totally right that this is not just a product issue. Each of these departments have have control over their own roadmaps and what they all want to work on. And so it's up to all of us to work together and figure out how to, how to align and build the best products. You can't tell the other departments what to do. The whole mission of product is to build the right thing for our users. And so it often is the product team that is trying to bring all of these groups together product and product marketing team, anyone working on directly on the product to bring these groups together. So, Diti, why don't we start off with you? What is your number one way to influence without authority?
0: Okay, I like named it data, data, data on my on our little notes. It's really important whenever I as a product marketer go into a room looking to get buy in from different teams is that I go in with as much data and as much. Just information to back what my point is. So if I'm saying that we need to build a certain feature to help boost sales, I'm going in with customer feedback. I'm going in with different features that competitors have made. I'm going in with sales sales data, all of that stuff. And I'm going in with a, a lot of different points that back what I'm saying. So that way you really are convinced that, yes, I'm not the only one who thinks this. There are like 10, 15, mm-hmm. 20 people out there who really are being like, yes, this is what we need, or this is what sh- the direction the product should be going in. And yep. that way, when you talk to someone who's maybe on a different team, if you're going in with a point from their department, they feel like they're heard. If you go in with points that are from their team, you can you can make them feel like they're heard you can also make sure that people are realizing that it's not just your personal opinion it is something that you have seen in the market and that's something that yeah, that's a good idea but it's something that you really it it really is a need rather than just a like a want
1: in a way i really love that idea of pitching a department their own data at them like hey look you guys have see this let's let's do this based on that that info Aditi, you've chosen quite the confrontational first topic, coming at people with data. I've taken in the very opposite of confrontational for my first point on how to influence without authority, which is you start by aligning from within. So instead of talking to the other departments, just looking at the vision of the company, of the product le- of your of the product leadership in my case, but but your leadership and then your specific part of the product at the end. So all three of these steps or or more, if your company is much bigger, need to be completely aligned so that we can always use that as the foundation for any path that we wanna take. So for example, something like, hey, I would really like to do thing A because it helps us accomplish this part of our company's vision. And having that complete alignment is the same across all departments because it comes from the company's vision. And so it's a really great place to start. So always make sure that that the thing you're working on, the vision aligns with the leadership and then with the company.
0: That's always a great way to really get buy-in, right? You you mm-hmm. tell them like, this is the direction that you're also trying to go in.
1: All right, Aditi, what's your second point?
0: All right, my second point is happy hours. So It's not like actually going to happy hour. It's about making more friends in the organization across teams and across seniority. So one thing I did, I've done is I liked going into the office when I was in Denver because it really allowed me to interact with people at a very casual level. I wasn't just slacking them every time I needed something from them. I wasn't just hopping onto meetings and just Putting my, getting my point across, and then never being seen again. So what I was doing was I was going into the office, I was talking to these people, and I was having casual conversations where we got to know each other at a more personal level. I built a relationship with the CRO, I built a relationship with a lot of the senior AEs and some developers even. And I just created that relationship so that when i do talk in a meeting or i do have a point that i want to get across they're willing to listen to me a little bit more because they already like me trust-
1: yeah for sure that's awesome my my third point is pretty similar so i'll i'll save some of my comments my second point is to prepare and sell up so when you're trying to convince your your other other members of your team from different departments to to do something you need to get ahead of the other team's roadmaps. So if you know that this quarter, the marketing team is working towards something and you know that you're preparing for your next quarter, they're also preparing for their next quarter. So by being prepared, you can sell up to the goals of the other departments. So convince the other team's leadership of who is setting up the roadmap that like these are the things that we can be aligned on. It kind of also goes with aligning. First, we aligned vertically and now we're aligning horizontally for the next quarter. So in the planning phase, I think being prepared and establishing your product needs early really helps to orient the conversation around where you need the product to go to be the right thing for your users.
0: Yeah, that alignment is definitely something that I think is super important too. It's, it's hard to get when you come from a very me perspective, which we've seen, right? When product mm-hmm. marketing comes in, like, and kind of just like forces a meeting on the product team. And it's like, oh, we need to get alignment because we want this, this, and this. And the way you're saying it, where you just like, you align with the other teams and making them feel like they're important and that they're heard, it really helps yep. get that buy-in and actually even promotes attendance and meetings, right? And these kind of meetings, because if people don't feel heard or they don't feel like their own roadmap or their own priorities matter, they're just not going to show up to a meeting like this one. They're going to think that it's not as important or something like that. And we've seen that, where product marketing of yep. just forces a alignment meeting on the product team, and then we end up seeing that none of the people from the product team actually end up showing up.
1: Yeah, for sure. And the and the the other half of that alignment piece is to sell. Yeah. And you're you're getting in early, so it's before that it's it's at a stage when that other team is ready to hear things and you're selling to them this is why we should do these priorities right and and that's an important piece as well you can't just tell teams to do what you want you need to convince them that that it's worth their time but you also you need to convince them when they're ready to be convinced not like right now no one's going to change completely change their Ex, like current thing that they're working on because they're they're heads down, right? Yeah. Selling, preparing in it for the next thing, and selling is is my second point.
0: Yeah, it's similar to my third point actually, which is sharing the spotlight. So basically, what I'm trying to say mm-hmm. with that is when you are in a meeting or you are talking to people, you want to make sure that they're also being heard. So it's not just you going on and on like a lecture; it's a real conversation that you're having with everyone else in the room. And that makes them really feel like their opinion was heard and it was valued. It doesn't matter how senior they are or what team they're from. I personally believe that if someone has something to say, they the least you can do is actually hear them out.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and getting the that input from you mentioned like doesn't matter how senior they are. Getting the input from even the lowest level people, they they see things that others don't. Developers, for example, are in the code seeing things. Marketers are in the data seeing things. And so, everyone's opinion and thoughts, bringing those up really helps you to create the best thing. It's up to you, as a product marketer and product manager, to have really good judgment on those things, right? but to encourage them that they bring those things up so that you have all the ideas on the table. That's actually really similar to my third point as well. My, I feel like my third point is part of your second and third together. Getting it, There's that getting people to like you part and having really good relationships so that they can trust you, but then also working together with them. If building a product is always a process, it's constantly evolving and it's an organic living thing. And so the best way to influence is actually to help figure it out together. And so sharing that spotlight, like you mentioned, and building that trust from the happy hours that you mentioned go into being able to create output together and and taking letting allowing them to influence you as well. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. It's all about letting people feel like they actually are a part of a conversation, right? and make them feel like they have priorities and those priorities are being valued and respected.
1: Mm -hmm. I think we tend to think of the product-oriented teams as the ones that have the authority to set what the product roadmap is. And they're the ones that get to figure out what users really want and, and go to that direction. But having that view of things kind of doesn't, align with the fact that everyone is just a human being, you know, and in order to create the best stuff, you we got to all put our brains together. And, and yeah, that's like the product people's role is to go and figure out what the right thing for our users is. But it's not to not listen to someone and just only tell them what to do. It actually building the right thing for our users means listening to everyone's opinion, so that we can find what that right thing is.
0: I love that point. And when you're working with other teams, I definitely feel like everyone's voice matters. But when you're thinking about the customer specifically, more often than not, you're not listening to the customer as much as a CS person or a salesperson is. And if you don't talk to them about what your what your conclusions are, you're not going to get a lot of valuable information from them because they can give you feedback on certain product decisions that you're making and help you see what the customer needs from a very different lens. Because that's literally their job to talk to customers every single day and, Mm -hmm. and talk to the market every single day. So they're seeing exactly what the impact of that product has. And they have the, in my opinion, the most information about the customer for the product team. And if they are not included in these conversations, then it's very easy to get off course from what the customer wants.
1: Yep, actually, In my previous role, things really started turning around for me once I figured that out, that the customer success team is instrumental in helping me understand what our customers need. Absolutely love when our discussion ends with the main tenant and belief of our podcast, which is build the right thing for our users. (laughs) We always get back to that because that's always what product is about. And so yeah. I love when our discussion ends or goes into that direction because that's naturally how it should. All right, let's move on to our news topic. the Twitter has a new CEO. We were joking that we constantly talk about Twitter and we don't want to talk about Twitter anymore, but this one was too good to be caught up for. Let's give a round of applause to Twitter and Linda for a new woman entering the CEO community. Linda Yacarino is an advertising exec from NBC Peacock, uh, or worked on NBC Peacock, and had, did a lot of non-traditional partnerships with Apple, Snapchat, and YouTube. So really interesting that Elon appointed her as a CEO. Any thoughts on her background and what that could mean for for Twitter, Aditi?
0: I was actually thinking about this, and I've mentioned this in this podcast before. I've listened to the Wall Street Journal podcast, and they were talking mm-hmm. about this too. And they were mentioning, which I thought really in- was really interesting, is that Twitter's primary revenue, which is about 90% of the money that comes in, is from advertising. So the choice to make an advertising executive like Linda the CEO is actually a really smart one, in my opinion. You, mm-hmm. you are giving priority to what your revenue is coming from, right? And she has incredible amounts of experience in advertising. She's, like you mentioned, she's done a lot of non-traditional partnerships with different platforms and she's highly respected. So I think she can really do a lot with Twitter's advertising and Twitter's future when it comes to revenue.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I have the opposite opinion. I think advertising, we've, seen too many unintended consequences for advertising on the internet the entire way our industry thinks is around ads and selling constantly selling things to people i think is not a trade off for for the value of our data so i'm kind of actually sad that twitter is going to go even more advertising i felt that's creating something really valuable and that we would subscribe to is a much better model. Elon, in his appointment of Linda, Elon mentioned that his goal is to transform Twitter into what he's calling X, which is the everything app to rival the Chinese WeChat in the American market. Have you you ever used WeChat?
0: No, I haven't. I've heard of it because there's a lot of people around me who use WeChat, but no, I've never personally used it.
1: Also haven't used it, but I, I listened to the Acquired podcast on WeChat, which is really good. Highly recommend. Essentially, what WeChat's done is it started out as a messaging app with and then they built in tons of integrations to all kinds of different apps. So instead of opening your phone and seeing all the apps right there on your phone, you open up WeChat and you use all of these apps through messaging. and. Elon wants to build an everything app and wants Twitter to be that app. In my opinion, the jury's not out on the everything app model. I think it's like a lot, and I'm not sure the West thinks that way. So it's going to be up to Linda and the Twitter team to shift the paradigm on how we use our phones.
0: If there's anyone out there who could change the way people think, it's Elon. Like, we saw it in the we saw it in the car market, right? Like he changed the way the entire buying process and well, how a car should look and how it should work, like all of it. He changed mm-hmm. it all, and he did it very successfully. Like we just bought a Tesla recently, my family, and it's an incredible car. Cool. We got about a Y and I drove it on the highway. You literally don't have to do anything. You turn on cruise control. It does everything for you down to lane changing on the highway. <laughs> and you, I just sat there like a passenger with a steering wheel in front of me. It That's was so it was cool. Incredible.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Actually, it kind of brings up another point that I wanted to make. So obviously, Teslas are a really insane product. And I thought it's really interesting that Elon brings a media CEO into this space and advertising and, and media. Her previous company was NBC. So Elon is still staying on with the company, but focusing on product design and technology. Do you have any opinions about a product versus media CEO here? Like
0: I said, I do think that because their primary revenue is advertising and media, that Mm -hmm. someone who has so much experience in it comes with a breadth of knowledge of how to handle advertising with not zero, but fewer controversies.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. The backbone of the business will need that. Yeah. But um, I'm I'm feeling bad because I want Twitter to be a really great product and not to be like another entertainment
0: there's another argument here with a woman ceo coming in a lot of people are worried about the fact that she set up to fail at twitter and that's and there was this article who was pointing out the fact that it's happened in other companies before where women are brought in as ceos as a last dire effort to stop a ship from sinking but it's an incredibly hard task that is put on them and they more often than not, end up failing, and they nice companies and like Yahoo and stuff like that, where that yeah. happened, and they ended up failing. And then it's is kind of like branded as when a women CEO comes in, like the company fails, but it's all yeah, it looks failing before that.
1: Yeah, yeah, damn, that's brutal. I hate that yeah. so much. In I that read case, that,
0: and I just got so annoyed.
1: <laughs> yeah, in that case, scratch what I said about product versus media CEO. Linda, we are vouching for you and I really hope that Twitter turns around. And I'm turning into my, my weekly active user status to daily active users <laughs> five minutes a day. That's you got me at least for five minutes a day. Awesome. That the, that, that's all we got time for, for our new segment. If listeners, if you'd like to hear us talk more about Twitter and the news, let us know and we'll increase the, timing of this segment. On to fun facts. Did you know, Aditi, that the AI girlfriends market is growing a lot?
0: I actually did see this on Instagram.
1: Absolutely crazy. Influencer Karen Marjorie, I think, I believe she's a YouTuber. So she took all of her YouTube videos and trained a voice chat bot and is charging people $1 per minute for access to, to the bot which basically just talks like her and, and people can talk to. And she made $72,000 in just one week, which I wish I could do that. But yeah, I think we can crazy. turn this
0: podcast into one of those things. Like we can just turn yeah. and use our voices and turn them into little
1: robots. I actually was thinking about it too. I, I had redesigned my website last year and I was thinking like the, guy, the premise of the website was, how do I introduce people to me? and ai chatbot was just like sitting right there as a fantastic idea but i didn't have all the content for it so maybe through this podcast i can make that dream come true what's your fun fact activity
0: Mine's a little different it's about the iot world so did you know that it's estimated that 127 new devices are connected to the internet every like single day yeah, brand like new open, devices like are open. connected to the internet every second. I actually saw this in action when I was in Massachusetts at a cousin's house. They're doing an incredibly big remodel of their house, and they've turned okay. every single switch that they have into a smart switch. which includes bathrooms, includes room, like, oh. um, everything. Every single switch has turned into a smart one. Like, you can use your phone to control the entire house. It is... That's cool. I love smart homes. And that is like the future of the world, but it still overwhelms me sometimes when I see that.
1: Yeah, I I think that I also love all this stuff. During the pandemic, I tried to like turn my grandma's whole house into like being smarter. And she's like 80 years old, so she did not give a crap at all. <laughs> but <laughs> but it, I think it's still really cool. And I'm really excited for like more innovative, creative things to come up in the IoT market. And, and smarter homes like in the building process and, and stuff like that. But uh, that's our show with the theme. We ran out of time, had a fantastic time chatting, and I hope y'all had a fantastic time listening. We wanna talk about products on this podcast. We're doing this to learn and express ourselves as well. had a Had a great time with the three points by three points. If you have any ideas, for us we would really like to hear from you reach out to us on LinkedIn my name is Arjun this is I'm with Aditi. we would love to have you be a part of our show if you'd like to be a guest to end on a random note Aditi, we don't use folders very much except the digital ones and those don't fold and that's how folders got their name because they folded I and the folders. only thing I'm folding these days are my laptop all right thanks oh. for listening
0: everyone